Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies from the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply post to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Patrick Bailey. And I'm your other co-host, Ellie Martin. And today we are talking to Sam Pellerito of Sinsoy Foods, a fermented foods business. So a business that produced tofu, soy sauce, miso, anything soy related, you name it, they're producing it. And Sam is actually comes from a culinary background and an e-commerce background where he was selling eyeglasses. So it is huge to go from eyeglasses to, you know, soy, soy foods. I'm really excited to dive into this pivot and into this shift because, right, he decided to start this business during the pandemic. What a great time to do it. But then how is he taking his experiences in e-commerce with eyewear and then implementing it into this specific brand? You know, choosing not Mm -hmm. to necessarily open a restaurant, but to go a very niche route of fermented items and fermented products. And like, how do you get that on the shelf? Because when you think, when you go to a grocery store, Mm -hmm. you think of probably one or two specific brands of soy sauce, but then how do you differentiate yourself from those big players? Will be cool to to hear his story and his perspective. Yes. And Ali, did you know that Ohioans produce 4.8 million acres of soybeans a year? No. Oh, we are gay. Okay. We're the, like big time players in the a, soybean market. Here we there's go. A, there's a lot of soybeans. So I love to figure out what Sam does with mm. them. So let's bring him in. Let's do it. Well, Sam, welcome to When Pigs Fly. Uh, if you just just like to start off and give us a little bit of background about yourself and then Sinsoy Foods. All right. Yes, I'm name is Sam. I am a transplant Cincinnati. By way of many places, North Carolina is home. I have a business called Sinsoy Foods. Soy sauce, miso, tofu, and other condiments. Um, ingredients that we source in Ohio. We have a small batch factory and we're just about one and a half years old. So I was going to jump in and say, you know, you're like a foodie at heart. You love soy sauce. You've traveled the Asian countries living your Anthony Bourdain life. You know, what did you learn from, you know, the culinary business that you applied to, you know, the startup world? And then what, you know, from what did you learn from startup world and the culinary world to lead you to create your business today? I know that was a lot right there in one question, but (laughs) if you could do your best to piece that together. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I've learned about food is that we, it is like the ultimate connector of people. I always kind of brag about this when I, when I quit cooking professionally and I went into consulting or like I was trying to get into biofuels. I remember having, you know, very little luck connecting with people just personally. But as soon as I told them that I could, I was a chef, everything changed. I could have hour long conversation Mm. with somebody that I could never have a conversation with before. Yeah. Like that to me has always been a real joy in my life and something that I kind of lost connection Mm. with when I wasn't cooking professionally, like that kind of, Oh, you're a chef. Like how dope, you know, like, Ooh, how romantic. I mean, it's a hard, hard business, but you know, there, it brings a lot of people joy. You know, I learned a lot about connecting with people through that. And so you applied that to startup life. And then did you think that like that helped you in startup life to get to where you are today? I mean, I tremendously like having been through a startup probably helped me just as much 
as as like the idea of being a chef, but I mean, com- combining the two things really helped me nail down what we want to be. I think it's really hard for startups when you you know you're kicking off your business for the first time to really be conscious of what you're trying to do from the start. But that's kind of the cool thing about food. It's like you have something, this physical object that you get to share with people. And if it's good and ours is delicious and it tastes amazing, then you've created a really significant bond with somebody. And, you know, it's a lot easier than selling glasses to somebody online. Your passion for and your love for food. Why did you decide to produce such a specific product like, you know, fermentation, doing soy sauce, rather than being a chef and opening up a restaurant since you love food so much? That's a loaded question. (laughs) I've spent the past seven years in e-commerce eyewear, you know, Mm. doing e-commerce. I started in operations, you know, I worked with marketing teams. I've, you know, done all of that stuff. So I felt really confident that I could build something that had a brand attached to it, mm. right? Something that that was mine and that I could share with people. Being in a restaurant was incredible is an incredibly hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm. a, it's probably one of the riskiest ventures you could ever create. Yeah, there's so much overhead. Oh, so much overhead. And then it's kind of two other things. One, I looked at the market. You know, there mm-hmm. are very few. We're one of two small batch. We're one of two small batch manufacturers of soy sauce in the country. When you think of soy sauce, right? When you go to a sushi place or wherever, there's the one brand. Was it Kikaman? Kikaman. Yeah, Kikaman. Yeah. How do you then even compete with a monster powerhouse brand like that? I don't know if it should even be considered competing. Hmm. You know, I think in some ways we want to be another option for consumers, hmm. right? Because it will take a lot of effort to compete with them. You know, we, we certainly, you know, we're in Whole Foods right now. That's one way of doing it. Uh, we're in Giant Eagle throughout Pittsburgh to Indianapolis. So we're, so offering a different product is certainly one way that we can help ourselves be that, you know, a second option. I mean, think about hot sauces. You know, a lot of people have two or three different types of hot sauce in their refrigerator. Mustard's the same way. So condiments tend to be something that we collect in some cases, but there aren't, in grocery, there aren't a lot of options that aren't either Kikaman, Sanjay, or some like hydrolyzed protein, hydrochloric acid yeah. water, right? And so like, you know, when, when I started this, it was my, <laughs> my wife and I eating out sushi on the things that I was making. And over yeah. time, it got better and better. We shared with people and mm. everyone said it wow, this is so different. I've never tasted anything like this before. And so we're creating a product that not, I would get, I would venture to say 98% of Americans have never tried, Mm. right? Like a true flavorful, deeply rich, bold flavored soy sauce. So can you walk us through the process of creating a soy sauce, you know, from, you know, from like, you know, I guess the soybeans to, to the bottle. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So there are two methods to create soy sauce. And the first one, I'll I'll just get it out of the way quickly. It is using hydrochloric acid and you boil Mm -hmm. soybeans in hydrochloric acid 
And then three days later, you get soy sauce, air quotation. Oh, and like, no joke, that the, the super cheap soy sauce, the stuff that you get in the little packets, and it will say hydrolyzed protein. It's when boils with hydrochloric acid. I feel like that's probably not good for our stomachs, right? Yeah, I think for, right. I think you can eat a certain amount of it anyway. Um, <laughs> and then there's a fermented hot or fermented soy sauce. And that's what you're doing. That's what we're doing. So we take Ohio soybeans, soybeans from central Ohio. Oh, wow. And I'll touch on why we're doing that in a second. Ohio wheat. And we roast the wheat, we cook the soybeans, and then we mix it with this thing called koji. And koji is a miraculous fungus that grows on proteins and starches that when it breaks down and digests those things, it creates umami. The thing that we you know, can't explain but tastes amazing and it, it's like we can't get enough of. It's the same thing that we put in sake, soy sauce, miso. It adds a flavor profile that is another sense, essentially. Mm. And then we ferment all of ours for six months in our facility, like I said, in Over the Rhine. And so it's just a slow, low saltwater bath for this koji to digest and express these enzymes that we, you know, that, you know, you, when you do it the right way, you get like this dark color, but it's kind of red. You get like super rich flavor that lingers on your tongue. And compared to like a Kikamon, you know, they're doing this stuff in 10,000 gallon batches. We're doing it in 500, you know? So it's just a different, it's a night and day difference. And you know what we're doing, we specifically, so part of my exploration phase was talking with these folks, like in Hong Kong, for instance, in Japan, where are you getting your soybeans? You know, and a lot of it comes from China, but in Ohio, they grow some of the best soybeans in the world hands down really? or making products out of soybean. Oh yeah. If you Google like master tofu maker, Ohio or something random like that, you'll, you'll find these quotes from this guy who makes tofu with Ohio soybeans and he swears by it. Do the Asian countries actually buy Ohio soybeans for their, by the metric tons. Wow. Like what? that's really cool. By, yeah. Significant amounts of it. So we go up to Jeffersonville and we get our non GMO soybeans. And we kind of dip our hands in, we take a little bit out, we bring it back to our factory. They're taking out, you know, seven truckloads full and they're taking it to Japan. I mean, they, they come here a few times a year, they grade the soybeans and then that's what they're using, especially in Japan for their tofu making. So that, that's what we're, that's why we're, why we chose to use soybeans and do it the way we're doing it. This is kind of, uh, you know, an uh, more of an out there question when it comes to distribution. Do you know then if the Asian, Asian countries are having difficulty getting their hands on soy just due to um, our backup of shipping? Yes. Uh, I know that they're, the soybean suppliers are having a hard time. They were at least getting soybeans into the market. Mm-hmm. Is, does, is this benefiting you too now or... Is that, is that kind of a far-fetched connection? Yeah, so earlier in the year, there, we, were, we had issues earlier in the year. Oh, wow. So there yeah. were soybean prices were a little bit higher. For us, I, used, I mean, I was driving my Volkswagen with a trailer on the back, getting a couple thousand pounds at a time. Oh, wow, to bring oh, wow. you were getting... Until so, like last month, I was driving every month 
the go-get soybeans. <laughs> There's Sam you know. on the farm out there. <laughs> yeah, totally. The Italian yeah. making soy sauce. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and they loved it. I mean, they thought it was the funniest thing because they've never known anybody to make something with their proud. You know, it's just unheard of, I mean, especially because of the way we talk about it. I mean, our, our packaging is proud. We talk about it being Ohio products. I mean, mm. soy sauce is salt water, salt water, soybeans, wheat, and koji. That's everything that's in it. And the wheat, the wheat, the soybeans are grown in Ohio. The water is from Cincinnati. And the salt we source from a supplier from Miamisburg. So, so you know, hmm. yeah, so we, it's not Ohio salt. It's definitely just from the Pacific Ocean. But, mm-hmm. you know, we try, you know, we're trying to be local. And then I think that is in part, mm. it really is going to be an advantage to us as we scale because we have that never ending supply of product. And I guess, so when you full circle, you know, going back to, okay, product is very central for, for you. Were you looking then at other cities to potentially make your home base? Or did you always know that Cincinnati was going to be the city that you were going to launch this product because of that? Yeah, hundred percent Cincinnati the whole time. My, my wife is here. Mm-hmm. I, you know, okay. We're here. I started this in, in March of 2020. Oh, wow. I launched it a month after I had my first son in the middle of the pandemic. So that was the time. So, yeah. So it was like, I was like, man, I mean, I've got nothing else to do. It's a, you know, <laughs> start a soy sauce business. <laughs> right. You know, so I like, you know, January of 2020, I put 50 gallons in my basement and that's where the first batch came from. Oh, wow. How do you also, how do you feel about, the Cincinnati foodie scene, right? Mm. Have you been able to see it evolve? And, and do you think that's also been beneficial for your brand? Yeah. I mean, I think the Cincinnati food scene is incredible. It has changed in the past. I mean, I've only been here for seven years, I guess. But in seven years, you have seen some of the top chefs in the region really bring Cincinnati forward as far as cuisine and style and, and diversity of food. And yeah. I think like that is like, to me, the coolest thing because, you know, and I think the cool thing about Cincinnati is it is a really diverse community, mm. you know, P&G, yeah. Kroger and G and all the big companies here bring in people from all over the place. And it's finally starting to, the food scene's keeping up with that and serving people in a way that's unique. So with that, I would like to talk about, again, like that distribution, because you have this, you have this e-commerce background working with eyewear and a a different background to understand how to get it into a lot of different hands. What was that initial strategy for you knowing that, okay, Cincinnati is becoming this foodie scene. You probably want to get your hands, I would imagine, and your product on the table in a lot of different places. But then also, like you said, you have the Kroger's, the P&G's, and there were all these big conglomerates that could potentially help you get your product on the shelf too. So what was that initial plan? Yeah. So, and, and to add into another layer of that, it takes six months to make. Mm. So yes, yes. you, know, yeah, you exactly. know, so you have to kind of plan accordingly. So when I launched it, I, I threw it on, I just said, Hey, Instagram, check out what I'm doing, you know, and, and got an initial kick that way. And I knew that mm-hmm. I knew that there was enough hashtagging and mm. boosting yeah. a post that you could do. <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. To get some people interested in talking about it. And then actually Madison's at Finley Market was our first yeah. customer. The thing that I've always been cautious of is e-commerce is not 
a necessarily profitable business. Mm. Why do you say that? Because you can spend a thousand dollars trying to get a customer and and, and only make a thousand dollars. You know, you mm. end, end up losing money on shipping. I mean, because Facebook is expensive, understanding your customers expensive, lifetime value has not been established yet. All these things that have to go into e-commerce, managing the actual financial components of building an e-commerce business, mm-hmm. it's not easy. I mean, you know, there are a lot of e-commerce businesses. And it may businesses. not be shaped specifically for soy sauce. Right, exactly. And this, yeah. we sell this for $8, right? Yeah. We're, you, know, you know, so like an $8 cost per acquisition is rare. So what is like, that's the future moving forward that not e-commerce for you, like some brands are obviously betting big on post, you know, COVID. Is it going to those bigger grocers like Whole Foods and Giant Eagle and then, um, or is it, you know, going more the restaurant route? It's all of it. I mean, we're, Mm -hmm. we're, you know, we do really well online. I'm not going to lie. Initially starting out, it's, it it was a little bit of both, Mm -hmm. you know, when you decide you want to do something like Whole Foods or Giant Eagle, you have to kind of be patient, at least for because, you know, we're six months. You kind of have to see how things yeah. go, right? So what yeah. we did is we said, it's e-commerce, it's markets, it's walking to every door that I can walk into and trying to get it sold just to get some traction, mm-hmm. challenge ourselves to make more. Then it was, you know, in April, we moved into a new space. June, we got Whole, Whole Foods and Giant Eagle. And since then, we've just been actually trying to like cross populate. So we do a lot mm-hmm. of e-commerce Facebook work. And now in about two weeks, we'll have, we'll start working with the restaurant distributor to be able to bring our products to restaurants. So is working with big grocers like Whole Foods and Giant Eagle and, you know, eventually this restaurant distributor distributor how is working with them right like compared to working with like the smaller mom and pops in e-commerce well doing locals hard you know because we're responsible getting it to their door right we're you know at one point before i got my business partner kendall i was (laughs) making it bottling it uh, marketing it delivering it manage you know it was it was Jack all of that right so like we're I that's a common theme for start like ex- young yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. but when we got our distributor like whole foods i don't have to do any of the delivering I, you know i do some of the relationship management but i don't even know when they order i have no idea hmm. i just get a big order from my distributor and they figure the rest out now has there been a, ever been a moment during this process because you said you've only been doing this since March of 2020 where okay all of a sudden you get an order and it takes 6 months like you said for you to make has there been a moment yet where you're like uh we don't have the product or so far have you been pretty you you've been able to predict what <laughs> the demand is going to be Well I'm curious because like you have to try to calculate that as a business yeah. as a we, business we have, we're fortunate to not have said no but we're Good. definitely have Cause how do you calculate that? Like you don't. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It, you know, the cool part about it's soybeans, water, and wheat. So it's inexpensive mm-hmm. enough to make a shit ton of. Yeah, that's um, true. And, and you're so, close enough to the source. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're fortunate in the sense that, that we can do that. But you're right. I mean, we have definitely used every single bottle or can or, or jar in the whole entire place for specific orders. Like when Giant Eagle ordered, it was 16 stores. You know, we get, you know, 25 cases orders. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot for us to put out the door. So that's, and, that, and that's not to mention, we also make, we have a variety of products. We make tofu now. We make chili crisp. We, oh, wow. we have some other high hitters that 
also take up resources. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a balance. And with that said, you know, how do you even get in the door with these big distributors, the Whole Foods? Because I don't know why. In my head, I have this picture of like Shark Tank, a table of people. And then here you come in with your soy sauce and tofu. with all yeah. the banners and, toy, and tofu and you're, you know, in a, like with a walk and, and making them. And then you have to say, do you want this product on your shelf? And I'm sure that's probably not how it goes, but that's how I visualize it in my head. You know, I think COVID has changed a lot of it, but I think that yeah. this certainly is part of it. I mean, they have to try try it. Yeah. They have to like it. It has to meet their expectations. Again, people don't, door? well, you know, we make a product that no one else does. Mm. So in, mm. a, in a sense that we have that benefit that we can, when we walk up to Whole Foods, no one has ever approached them and said, Hey, I make small batch soy sauce. The uh-huh. only thing they have there That's is true. they have three pretty big brands. They've got their 365 brand. They've got Sanjay and they've got Eden. There really aren't any other brands. And we have done, you know, especially for like Whole Foods, we have done everything that we can to make sure we're adhering to really strict rules along food yeah. lines. I mean, we have, we, we're a certified cannery. We get third party tested. We're going through a non-GMO verification process. Oh, wow. So it's like, there's a lot that goes into that. And so you're almost not managing, you're managing expectations at that point. Mm. And if you know them for far enough ahead, which we did, it's yeah. easier to, to get objections out of the way, you know? And that's like every good salesperson. It's like, well, what about this? Done it. What about this? Mm-hmm. Done it. You know, well, where else are you selling? Whole Foods. Oh, okay. You're in Whole Foods. So like, you know, we're in 10 or 11 Whole Foods now throughout Ohio and Indiana. Wow. We'll have, you know, we're working. We do demos every week so that we can get in all 65 of the region. Oh, wow. And that's our objective for the, for 2022. So scaling seems costly because you have to get certified for you know non-GMO and you know third-party yeah. tested and verified. So are you planning on taking on any outside investors? Are you bootstrapping this, or you know what's the plan? It started with bootstrapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you know it was I had a full-time job. I had a great job where I was you know basically financing this. We definitely we raised a little bit of money through some local investors. We do, I mean, we're, we've got, there's a lot of support. I mean, Great. we definitely will, I don't know if we're allowed to like say this, but I mean, we definitely are going to take on real investment, you know, as, as we continue to grow, we need to build a facility that can match the kind of output that we want to do. Mm. Because the other thing about soy sauce, and I, just, I thought about this the other day, there are products that are in the grocery store condiments that are really good for home use. Mm-hmm. And then there are products that are like, you know, restaurant and home use. Mm-hmm. And then there are products that are good for almost anything. And soy sauce mm-hmm. kind of falls in that world because we can sell to grocery stores, we can sell to restaurants, and we can sell to people who make stuff that goes into grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And so soy sauce as, a, as an introductory product gets our foot in the door, but then it allows us to have these other layers of conversation. Like the tofu and the... Yeah, exactly, right? Like... Right now, Whole Foods has our soy sauce and our miso. They're considering our tofu, our chili crisp, and our gluten-free soy sauce. Oh, wow. So we could have five products in 2022 in Whole Foods, which would be like be unbelievable. That's super cool. Yeah, it would be, um, be a rat. When you walk into a grocery store, 
you're not, you know, there aren't a ton of soy sauce options. So, and you kind of talked a little bit about it before of, of e-commerce and all that, but how do you, from a marketing perspective, get, separate yourself from these other big brands? You know, are you, are you in the future, are you going to try to work with like influencers or doing like content that involves making recipes? It sounds like Ali's volunteering sauce? herself to. <laughs> no, I'm not yeah. doing that at all. I can't. I absolutely my, my for, I mean, I'll do it actually, but I, here's the thing. I don't, I don't want to botch your product. My, yeah. my cooking is open a jar of peanut butter and stick a spoon in. <laughs> well, of course, some soy sauce on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is our biggest challenge as a company mm. is yeah, differentiation in a space that people don't really understand that there's something else in. And so mm. one of the things that we did very early on is we tried to make a visually appealing bottle. Yeah. That, to our listeners, he is showing the bottle to the screen. So hopefully yeah. you check out our so, social media for that. Yeah. So, you know, we started with kind of the core thing. So there are seven hills on our bottle and there are for, you know, the whole Cincinnati seven hills thing. Um, and so it started with the bottle. It started with the messaging about the product that, that, that are going into it. It starts with a product that's presenting itself nicely on a shelf. Hmm. And then, you know, we, we do a lot of social media. We do, we have, we have an influencer program where we're working with folks like in Columbus to help us make dishes and talk about ourselves. Yeah. We do a lot of post boosting and we do paid ads to get awareness out. But we are also starting, like, we're actually starting with a local chef to do an influencer campaign where she's going to put together Can we content ask for who's us. The lo- who's the local chef? Yeah, so it's her name's Kayla from Arnold's. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. She is fantastic. Shout she out is to awesome. Kayla. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah it really, I'm super excited about it because she really just, you know, and then here's the kicker that I, I'm trying to focus on. Like, we are, I am not Asian, as you can tell. Um, yeah. And so the <laughs> thing that we, we are trying to really do is that the, the, the ingredients span much more than just sushi and mm-hmm. egg rolls and soy sauce. Like you can do so much with it. And so what we're trying to share with people is like, hey, look, here's some products that you may already have in your pantry. But like how, how are ways to like make like a caramel or, you know, make like a squash dish that just uses miso as a flavoring how do you make all these, use these products in non-traditional ways? Because if, if you know how to make a stir fry, you make a stir fry. But like, can you make a sandwich and, you know, mm. and, and use our chili crisp to, to make a mayonnaise out of it? Like just trying to level up a little bit. the Reinventing the, its use. Yeah. They actually have recipes on your website that people can yeah. try out. And right yeah. now I see like, there's like a, cake and there's oh there's my god cookies so- and there's Ooh. salmon and then there's salads like you get have pages and pages of oh, the miso cream caramel <laughs> yeah yeah that's what you're that's talking it. about that stuff is oh. unbelievable oh, it's <laughs> yes and, and shout out to my girl jessica who who runs our social media i mean she, i don't know if we're going to get into the team part of what we're doing but you know we're a startup mm-hmm. and i I take it very serious as a startup because it's all about the team when you get this going. How do you collect a group of people that care about what you're doing? And we are a team of foodies, restaurant people, chefs, ex-chefs. And so what we're doing, you know, we're not just, this is not a whole, I mean, we're really professionals that have spent a lot of time mm-hmm. crafting things in the past. And so what we're trying yeah. to do, is we're honing that in, like, 
we pulled a guy in that has worked as a head chef around town and he's never made tofu before, but now he's grinding up the best, some of the best tofu any people in the city have ever had. How did you find him? <laughs> Nothing romantic, but I, it was just <laughs> something out there. And it was like, That's how it you works. got like four people to respond to an ad about a job. And it was like, I think, you know, on his part, it was interesting. I mean, again, COVID is so, was, has been so bizarre mm. to, for that part of the world. I mean, that's partly why we're not trying to dig our heels into the restaurants because they've got so much going on that, yeah. you know, we we're here for anybody. If they want to use our product. We're here for it. We'll mm-hmm. drop samples and Quan Hapa and Foling Tang and all those mm. guys, they they're using our tofu copper and flame is you are using our chili crisp soy sauce and tofu for, you know, so we're getting into restaurants and we're working with people, but it's, it's a world that we want to be, familiar with but we also want to be ready for because like yeah. you know you, you you can really piss off a grocery buyer and they'll <laughs> they'll be okay with it you can't piss off a chef and no you know, that you can't do it so so you know. I, I actually because you kind of like brought up the team element right so how many how many people are on your team but then how do you as you know the founder and ceo running this business how do you keep everybody on the same page excited about soy sauce and tofu well, that's a great question. We've got six full-time people. Oh, wow. Nice. Sorry, four full-time, two part-time. We're growing quickly. <laughs> and part of the way that we do that is that everyone has a stake in the business. So oh, you know, if you, if you want to join, yeah. So if you want to be part of the Sensoi team, you're going to get, you know, an opportunity to grow and own a piece of the business. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's incredibly important. Did you know you wanted to do that going into this? That was going to be your business plan? From the from the beginning, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so you know we're employee owned. There's incentives to, to grow with the business. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. You know, Jessica is a great example. I didn't do anything. She did. I met her randomly at an account. She was there hustling on the side to try to make business yeah. happen for herself. She came to me and she wanted to be on the team. I and I was like, <laughs> done, sold. First first employee. <laughs> Anybody who's that interested. And since then, you know, part of it is. What do you think that needs to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I think it's really hard for a CEO to kind of release the reins a little bit and say, well, I don't need to make every decision. I'm very comfortable yeah. not making every decision. Mm-hmm. What needs to happen? Here's what, need, here's what I need to see. I need to see some metric mm-hmm. that moves the business forward, but have at it, right? Like, let's, let, let's, yeah, let's experiment. Right, right. And so, like, because I also think we're growing very fast, it's fun. Like the, you know, that that's fun too. So it's it's yeah. always less stressful when young. you're yeah, when you're like pushing hard and you know, we're talking to Meyer and oh yeah, yeah. you know, it's really romantic. <laughs> and you know, you meet with chefs and, and they're really excited about it. So and then like my co founder Kendall, he you know, he came on in January. His background is in fermentation. That's what he's always mm-hmm. been into. He was making experimental things in his basement before we joined up together. You know, he had a little he had a side that's business. Really cool. So like we're just food geeks, right? And I think like that is a fun. It's kind of a Mr. Culture in a sense. Yeah, it's our culture. It's our thing. Like we're all gonna be fat and happy, and it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, anything that you put in your body that's fermented is good for your gut. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Miso spread on toast. It's great. Heck yeah. So how then do you move forward? I, I really like that thought of it being an employee owned business how does as you could continue to grow how do you maneuver that business structure 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're you know, we we have carved out pieces for the people that come on, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that, that's there for them. I'm not an equity, you know, we are definitely raising money, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. cognizant of that, you know, as a founder, there are all of these things about horror stories of founders getting screwed up. I'm not an equity, you know, a hog. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't view things that way because if it's all about just how much equity do I have, then you, you're, you're focusing on the wrong things, I think. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like the CEO's job is to make sure everyone else is happy, mm-hmm. that there's money in the bank, that there's money, you know, that, mm-hmm. that you're doing these core things. And, and then, you know, is there something left for you? Because I think with startups, like you, with, after your first startup, you kind of look at it and you say, well, what's, if I don't have this thing to potentially grasp onto, what else is there for me to do? And you might start losing some of that talent. And I've seen it, you know, I've seen it in other startups where there's just little, so little to grasp onto hmm. that eventually you lose the people that you've spent, you know, all this equity in getting up and going. So I guess that kind of leads to quite next question do you feel that cincinnati is the place to continue growing and the place to find that next talent as you you grow so fast in yeah. the food business i mean i think <laughs> i think from a startup standpoint i don't food startup like yes there is a tremendous amount of curious passionate food people here yeah. and you know we're not a tech company i mean we we use a little bit of technology. We use some sensors mm-hmm. that we could maybe pull out some data with, but like we don't Check have toy sauce. <laughs> I got, I got wrenches and I've got, you know, air compressors and we stick, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're not a technology company, but we are a curious, fast growing food company. And I think that if you think about this part of the world, the Midwest, like there's a, there's just a tremendous amount of talent. Here. I mean, Cincinnati state has a whole culinary program. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, yeah, we works. I'm excited about growing the team. In Cincinnati. What can Cincinnati be doing better to support startups like yours? Well, I don't know if we're viewed as a startup. I mean, I'll give you a hint. We're about to hit $300,000 this year in revenue. Oh, nice. Congratulations. So, like, I don't know many first-year startups that have done that. You know, we're part of this startup community for sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't I think there's such a huge focus on tech and all that kind of stuff. Like obviously that's what it should be, but like, there's not a lot, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is work to build the awareness channel for mm-hmm. food brands, right? Cause there's some really cool ones in this area. Do you work with incubator kitchens at all? That's where we started. Uh, I, I, we, I, Allie, I think we actually met once before cause you met, Did you we- interviews jazz. Uh, Sweet Jazz Trees. Oh, yeah. so you were in, oh, she was just on the pod. So you were in Newport. Yeah, oh, we were in Newport. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's all coming full. Yeah. I thought he loves like, I think Sam looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were in that side room for a while. So we were only there yeah. for like four or five months. But it was a brief hello. Yeah, it was only a brief hello. Oh, I was trying to get you to come so I, you look at my soy sauce and put me on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's when I was with Cincy Lifestyle at the time. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, we were there and like, we're talking with Rachel. I mean, you know, she does such a good job, but it's hard. It's hard because like, I think there are, that there is, there are food startups, people who are just trying to like create products for people to buy. And then there are people that are really trying to grow food into a mm-hmm. business, right? Mm-hmm. Into a structured venture backed business. And I think that's the mm-hmm. thing, like we're fortunate in that we're making enough money to support ourselves. We've got a you know, growth plan that, that 
you know, we can, we can manage, but like, I think there is just, it's tough, you know, it's really, really, really hard. You see a lot of them fail and a lot of them should fail. You know, I believe that wholeheartedly, but I think that, that from, you know, supporting, you know, getting, getting people more involved in the ecosystem would be big, you know, helping them understand how to how to do that? Do you think those incubator kitchens are are a great like foundation for anyone who's looking to get Completely. into the food industry? Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they they're affordable. You know, to gather all yeah. that equipment is like we we didn't really need any of that equipment, but we used it. You know, the the ones that we needed, we used it very hard. Yeah, right. Mm. You yeah. don't have to worry about things breaking. It's a good way to practice. It goes back to that. You have to build it in a way that that is where you want to be. So if you want to be in Whole Foods someday, you have to build your program to meet those expectations. Yeah. So you got to follow the rules, regulations. You got to follow the labeling practice. You got to build a company. So like we're working with a local food brand to help them bring one of their products to a shelf stable status so that they can then manufacture and bring it out to consumers. And so that's something we're kind of just doing on the side, but like, I think there can be more of that. You think there could be more helping other startups, other businesses, especially in our, like, you know, they do a great job in incubator kitchen, but there's only so much you can do. Right. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is take them out of the incubator kitchen and help them make that decision. There almost needs to be like another branch in addition to the incubator. Right. Because there's no small contract manufacturer for at least shelf stable. If you need to make, a hundred bottles or something and you have a place to sell it, like there's no place to make it for you mm. in a legal way. Right. You have to either <laughs> um, <Yeah>. do <laughs> it grindy or yeah, yeah. Here we go. bootlegging. <laughs> so I think that there's that, you know, I think, you know, we've talked with the city, the region, the state, and there's a tremendous amount of support for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think like, it's just also, I have a lot of experience in this. So I do understand like the, the hurdles to jump into, but it's, it's getting people in front of those decision makers, getting that connection down more. The network. Yeah. The that net- kind of even goes back to my question way earlier of like, how did you get through the door? Right. Well, we had a distributor. Connection? The second that I walk in the incubator kitchen, I said, we have to have a distributor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a distributor. That distributor is, they're called tiny footprint, you know? Mm-hmm. And then from the second I got with them, I was like, we need, mm. we wanted whole foods. We wanted whole foods. We wanted whole foods. Mm. And so it's being very clear on where you want to be and achieving that. I mean, we've hit almost mm. every goal that we wanted to achieve this year, but I knew those things. Yeah. I knew okay. It. So do you, you think, do you think for like advice for anyone who might be entering the space that has a product that they want on a shelf, that's a really good first step to keep in mind is yes, obviously your product needs to be great. And there's a lot of the other aspects of marketing, branding, et cetera, but really figure out who your distributor is going to be right off the bat. Yeah. Figure out how you're going to sell it. Yeah. You, and you yeah. don't even need, I went to, I've been to every single store in Cincinnati. We're in every single, <laughs> if it doesn't have a Kroger, now that we're in Whole Foods, we're in jungles, we're in country fresh, yes. we're in Clifton market. We were in every single farmer's market that we could be in, you know? And I think like, especially in the market side, we're in ETC, we're in Madison's, we're in mm. Saigon market in Finley. I mean, we're, we're, we're all over the place. It's walking into every door and getting no, but like every other door is getting yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just put yourself in the room. You have to, yeah, you have to. And, and there, Cincinnati mm. is, you ask the question, there's probably not a better place 
in the country for selling a local product mm. because people are just into supporting local here. Mm. You know, it's why Skyline still exists. It's because like that's true. It's it's a local <laughs> thing. We all love it. That chili is not helping our bowel movements compared right, to the choices. But if, if Skyline was like, we're Just moving kidding. to Kentu- we're moving to Kansas City, and that's where we're going to stake our future. Or like, no, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Well, for Skyline, but like, if you're like, this is where we're going to grow. And our basis to grow is yeah. these markets Everybody and these places, and and so I think there are some brands that are doing a great job of that. It's just you have to go everywhere to tie into that. Where does it fit too? Yeah, We couldn't put soy sauce into a health food store. Well, to tie into that, it sounds like you obviously have a good community here in Cincinnati and you give back, you know, by helping uh, some of those incubators, uh, food startups try to get on the shelf. But you're also trying to give back just from, you know, the average consumer being able to purchase through your website or in the store. So can you explain that to uh, our listeners, uh, your collaborative with uh, Buy One, Give One? Yeah. So, you know, this is another thing that I, we decided from day one, this was going to be like, I think I spent more time trying to figure out who we were going to work with mm. for this buy one, give one thing that we do mm. than anything else, because it was, it's super important. Every startup I've ever worked at, they've always wanted to have something, but they didn't start with something. So what we did is from the beginning is how do we, how do we find a community to work with so we can do a buy one, give one campaign. So for every item we sell, we donate a school lunch to a kid. And that uh, is with a group called One Feeds Two. It's a very easy way to give back. I mean, I think the hard part about doing a program is that you have to manage it. This is just a really easy way for us to be able it's to like say, okay. It's a whole okay, other business. It's a whole other business. I mean, we don't have, and holding the money, I mean, it's a whole legal side of it, the whole thing, but we don't have to worry about that. We just, we just start donating when we can donate, you know, whenever we, whenever we get those time periods as they come. But if you look on our, on the back of our bottle, this little, Maybe if people are seeing or you're recording the one thing to yeah, do, yeah. Uh, that's, that's our way of, of kind of indicating our program. One of our goals for 2022 is to make that even more local, right? Like how do we work with the Cincinnati school system or any other local food programs to help kind of benefit and, and fill the coffers? Last mile food run. Those yeah, guys, last we would love to do that. I mean, that's time. like our toast. Like our tofu is perfect for that because, yeah. you know, we never have tofu that goes bad, but we would gladly yeah. get cases of tofu for free because like, it's important. Mm. That's the cool thing about being in food is that you have people actually need it. And yep. it's, it's very, a necessity. yeah, yeah it, it's a necessity of life. And I would cook for my family like I cook for a stranger. It's just going to be mm. as much love and attention goes into it. Well, and I think, like you said, also one feeds two partnering with schools for school lunches is personally that that's also a, something that I I personally like to see because if a kid in school goes hungry, that kid then doesn't have the nutritional value to get through class, to focus, right. to listen, yeah. to so it's 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 a whole trickle down effect. Yeah, um, so yeah. that's really really cool. I guess, you know, so with that said, I would love to ask, you know, if someone is looking to get into this industry, this is kind of one of my last thoughts, what advice can you give them? If you're trying to get in the food business, I think it's mm-hmm. incredibly important to know your margin because food can be very, very poor margins and be honest with yourself. Mm. Um, mm. If you want to know what that means, like contact me and I'll tell you. Uh, and then understand where you want to be. The best advice somebody gave me was the hen in the woods, hen in the woods owner. His name is Nick yeah. Markwell. He told me, he said, dude, pick a goal and that's it. 
That's mm-hmm. the only thing you strive for every day. It can be monetary. It can be number, whatever you want it to be. Simple. Just pick that goal mm-hmm. and keep on trying to go for it. Because at the end of the year, you get to look back and say, oh, here's all the things that it took to do that. And that's mm-hmm. replicable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Find the things that are replicable, where your successes are, and try to replicate those over. Well, before we wrap up, can you let our audience know how they can, you know, either buy your products or support you through social media or whatnot? Yep. So you can find us at Sensoy underscore foods for Instagram, Sensoy foods on Facebook. You can find us throughout local stores, like I said. So Finley Market in a variety of places, Clifton Market, Country Fresh, Jungle Gyms. Even Whole Foods, but shop local. Hashtag shop shop local. Hashtag shop local. local. (laughs) And then find us at markets. We do the Northside Market uh, on Wednesdays. We do uh, Hyde Park Market, although that's moving into Madtree on Sundays. And and then, you know, we're always available. So, you know, hello at Sinsoy Foods. Hello at Sinsoy Foods if you have any questions or if you want to reach out directly. I'm, I'm happy to give advice to anybody that wants to... Uh, know how to grow their business and food. I'm I'm here for it. I love that. Or if you just want a really cool recipe, because I'm looking at your Instagram <laughs> yeah, right now. That's true. But that's cool. So just check them out. Oh, well, Sam, that. this was great. Yes, thank we, you, we Sam. Really, we really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, this was this was a cool conversation. Awesome. Well, looking forward to seeing you guys soon. And yes, we'll have to come uh, test out the soy sauce in person. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. You know, if you ever want to come by, please do. We'll show you what it looks like. Or we'll link up with Kayla. Oh, even better. Yeah. Arnold's night. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Ah, that was a great conversation. Yes. Anyone who's in the food scene here just warms my heart. (laughs) Well, we do love food. (laughs) Yes, I do. We do. But I mean, we we briefly were just talking about this before we hit the record button for this outro of, you know, some of the biggest takeaways. Number one for me is I personally always love to see a company take initiative to give back in a community. Mm. I think that's really important in some way, shape, or fashion. So I love to see the one feeds two. I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. Number two, what stands out to me is the fact that it's employee-owned, right? Mm. If you have people who have stake in the game, they're going to be naturally more motivated to make that brand oh, they'll ru- great. They'll run through walls for you. Oh, 100% or fermentation takes. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And number three, I think just every, the whole takeaway, right? We talk about the incubator kitchen, talk about the, Mm. the food scene here in Cincinnati, the love for local. I will forever stand by that it's it's such a wonderful place to immerse yourself in that culture if you have a food idea to to launch because there is so much support, but there are a lot of curious people in this city that also like to try and explore and support you. And mm. it just that just really solidified how great I think the food scene is here. You know, for me, what sums all that up is what Sam said at the beginning for what he learned in culinary school was how to connect with people. And that clearly was, you know, the lifeblood of him starting this business, him going through his previous, you know, eyewear businesses, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to today to, you know, 300 K in revenue in their first year, the people, uh, 
have been there for him, whether it was from the food incubator kitchens to his mm-hmm. employees who own a stake in the company to, you know, the people that have helped him get into, you know, the Whole Foods, the Giant Eagles and you know, Finley Market. And, you know, now he's trying to give back even while he's just, you know, kind of starting out, right? March 2020. He's t- yes, he's just trying to help others get out of those incubator kitchens, get mm-hmm. on the shelves. And he is even given back, you know, by the buy one, give one campaign, you know, buy, you know, soy sauce, give a meal to a a student, which I love. And so, you know, he truly does care about people. Yeah. And being able to, you know, care about people, bringing people together around the kitchen table, but also the fact that he knew personally that he didn't want to go into the, like specifically open a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And that if you are passionate about food, there are other ways that you could do it. And maybe it is creating a specific product to put on a shelf Mm. rather than necessarily opening a restaurant. And then you can collaborate with the restaurants like he's doing with Arnold's and Kayla. So we will be all connecting. And on that note, <laughs> yes. Where can people find us? <laughs> on that note, people can find us at whenpigsfly.fm. Uh, they can find us on Twitter, whenpigsflypod. They can find us on LinkedIn, whenpigsflypod. They can find us on Facebook and <laughs> Instagram as well. And we really love hearing from you all. And Allie, what is the most important thing people can do for us? If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a cousin, tell someone about it because we word of mouth is the best way to tell to get someone us up and, tell and someone. then yeah. write a review. Give us five stars, please. <laughs> 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 or to be honest. <laughs> well on that note. Note on that note, Allie. Cheers. Cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or any financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripts company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on the show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.